one of the main misconceptions that I had was that the scale going up doesn't equate to you looking worse. If I was doing it alone and I saw the scale going up, I would have stopped. If you go to my university gym, upstairs is all the cardio machines and then downstairs is the weight room. It is all girls upstairs and then all guys downstairs. There's like total misconception that all the girls want to do cardio and then all the guys are downstairs trying to get huge, but it's just like, that's just not how it works. What's up guys? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Joey, nutrition science PhD and founder of Fit for Life Academy. Today's episode um, was a great conversation with an old client of mine, Megan Evans. And it's a, a really refreshing conversation because Megan is a young woman. She's in her last year of her college studies, university studies. And her and I worked together for about nine months. And she was somebody like many young women who was afraid of lifting weights, afraid of eating more food, would do cardio for hours, always was trying to restrict her, herself from a dietary perspective to be smaller, which I feel like is something that so many young women tend to do or tend to gravitate towards when they think of nutrition and exercise. And thankfully, she trusted me along the process and we actually worked on building muscle and actually putting on body weight over a nine month period. And she had a really, really fantastic experience. She had some great results, not just physically, but mentally in terms of the way she viewed exercise, viewed lifting, viewed nutrition as part of her overall lifestyle and health. In this episode, she shares a ton of different misconceptions that she had about lifting weights, about nutrition, and she shared how those really changed over the past two years. And now she's somebody who lifts avidly, very heavily, four or five times a week. She enjoys eating more food. She's not afraid of stepping on the scale anymore. And anyways, it's just been a, a really cool experience to see her growth and her change. That being said, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And if you're in a similar position, I hope you find some value. What's up, Megan? How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. It's always really funny starting these off as if we haven't been talking because you and I have been talking for about 10 minutes now. Yeah, true. <laughs> but thank you much for taking time to be on the podcast. I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation because I feel like a lot of young women perhaps are in a similar situation to the situation that you were in quite some time ago where they have perhaps fear or doubts around resistance training. Yeah. And one of the things that you and I worked on for how long did we work together for? Six, eight months, nine months around there? Nine months. Yeah, almost a yeah, year. Um, was really letting go of the fear of lifting heavy, eating more food, building muscle. As you saw, it didn't yeah. get you bulky. Yes. Right? <laughs> so I think this episode is going to be really helpful towards that type of individual. So we can just start by you quickly introducing yourself, sharing a little bit about who you are, what you do, when we work together, and we'll just start there. Okay, yeah, for sure. So I'm a university student, so I spent a lot of time at my house during the pandemic, which I bet a lot of other people did. And I just got super into doing like at-home workouts, kind of really focused on cardio because I thought that that was, you know, the thing to do or, you know, like a laying ab workout or something like that, like something that's like really trendy on YouTube or whatever. And I kind of just got into this cycle of doing HIIT workouts, doing cardio, 
under eating and I ended up, you know, losing a decent amount of weight compared to when I was in first year university and had like the freshman 20 or whatever you want to call it. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just got into this like really bad headspace of feeling like I always needed to restrict myself and always needed to like do cardio. And I was so scared to pick up weights because I was like, oh, I like I I don't want to get bulky. I don't know how to train properly. Like I think when you see stuff online, it's like really, really easy to be like, okay, like I know I need to eat more. I know I need to lift heavier every week. And but I don't know how to actually implement that myself, like in real practice. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually look like? Um, so, yeah, when I was kind of just had this turning point where I was like, I just want to focus on something else other than like getting smaller. Like, I need to shift my mindset from like getting smaller to getting stronger. And I, that's like basically what, what caused me to want to work with you, but it was through like a mutual connection one of your past clients like who introduced me to you which I'm so grateful for um and yeah that's how we started working together basically yeah so out of curiosity did you have any friends that were into lifting Mm, that's a good question I think like it was I was definitely like one of my first one of the first friends like out of my friend group who like consistently started weightlifting if you go to my university gym, it's so insane. Like upstairs is all the cardio machines, right? And then downstairs is like the weight room. It is like all girls upstairs and then all guys downstairs. Or like that's how it like specifically was like, you know, a couple of years ago, like before COVID. And yeah, it's just like there's this, this like total like misconception that it's like all the girls want to do cardio because they want to like get fit and get lean and get abs. And then like all the guys are downstairs, like trying to get huge, but it's just like, that's just not how it works. And like, that's how I've, that's what I've learned like over the past nine months working with you. So yeah, I'd say like definitely one of the first ones, like out of my friends to get into weightlifting. Yeah. It's tough, right? Cause like we tend to do the things that our friends tend to do. And unfortunately I would say most young women who exercise don't look at resistance training as like the main type of exercise they want to do. Right. And I think it probably stems from the idea of like always wanting to be smaller. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Or why do you think younger women have that fear of lifting weights and this idea that they need to do cardio to always be smaller? And after that, I definitely want to talk about like some of the mental changes that you've gone through and how all of this stuff positively impacted yeah i'm sure yeah go ahead i think like social media plays a huge part of kind of like setting like societal norms that are like unattainable in Mm terms and like you just see a lot of like false information on social media too which is something that i've become really good at i guess like since going through this process is like filtering out like okay what I see something on I'm like, okay, that's not true. Like you don't, you're not going to like get fit in 30 days. Like it's like all these like schemes that are out there, like marketing schemes, trying to trick people. So I think like, you know, and you also like see influencers online who are super, super small, who don't have healthy habits. You don't know what's mm. going on behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, I think that's like probably what contributes most to, it's just like what's ingrained in like so many so many young women's brains like forever which is really sad but i think it is true so that's really interesting right because i i have a very 
unique type of personality. Like the way I was raised and stuff, I've just never, maybe this is not completely accurate, but I've never really cared much about like what other people do or like what I've seen. Yeah. Especially because like ever since I was a kid, my mom raised me telling me like, don't compare yourself to other people. You're somebody different. You're unique. Mm-hmm. Other people have things going on for them. You have things going on for yourself. Yeah. Right? And so I've always grown up with that sort of mindset. And so things like, I will admit, I think social media probably affects women differently than it does men. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I've never really cared much about stuff like that on social media. But would you say it, it does have a large or a big impact on women specifically? Yeah, I think it's just like social media sends different messages to men and women. Like I think or men, like, you know, you see like fitness influencers for guys and they're like huge and like absolutely ripped. Like that's like the attainable image. Right. But then for women, it's like completely different. Um, or like, I guess it's becoming like more of a trend now to weightlift is that's what I'm seeing at least online for women specifically. But, um, yeah, I think there's like the, the messages that guys and girls get is very different, but I, you know, and I, always consider myself like I'm, I, I've always like I haven't really ever been like a super self-conscious person or like I've always considered myself to be like confident in myself and my abilities but like it's really hard when you're like constantly on your phone and seeing just no totally and uh my wife and I talk about this all the time too because like we've so my wife's not in the fitness industry but she's been into fitness for a very long time <laughs> and my wife is somebody who's like naturally more muscular mm-hmm. she's one of sisters and she's like way more jacked than all her sisters naturally mm-hmm. all of her sisters really petite and my wife is petite too but she's she's muscular like she has thick legs she has bigger shoulders Not- and yeah. like her whole life growing up she was really self-conscious about it yeah when she's like you know i don't want to be the girl with big shoulders or big arms and like they're not big by any means but relative to everybody else and then she shared with she shared with me how it doesn't help to see things on social media yeah. that are perpetuating the opposite of that as like the standard of beauty or whatnot, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Obviously, we're in a much different phase of our life now, but it is really cool to see um, kind of like the environment of social media shifting because you're right. Like, I think it's way more common now to see women lifting heavy weights yeah. compared to maybe even just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, no, I was going to say, like, even in my, like, school gym, like, the number of girls now down in the weight room is, like, you know, comparable to the number of guys. Like, still absolutely more guys than girls. And it it can be, like, a really, also, like, a really intimidating space to go into when it is dominated by guys. Like, especially if you don't have, like, a woman's only section or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, you're just, like, around, like, people who are lifting way more weight than you and especially before we start working together I was like I have no idea what I'm freaking doing like I I just want to go back up to the treadmill and, and stay comfortable um but I think yeah it is definitely shifting which is good it's just knowing like what to do when you're down there that like really helps you make progress and see results so yeah, totally right. And I, I think anything that you start doing that's a new venture is intimidating. Uh-huh. I think it it's a really good skill or character trait, I guess I'll say, to have or to be willing to do things that feel intimidating. Yeah. Right. Like understand that 
people aren't judging you. And this doesn't just go for the gym. This really goes for anything. Yeah. Right? Like people aren't necessarily there to judge you. It's okay to be bad at stuff. It's okay to be a beginner at something. Yeah. But some people have a really hard time accepting that. Mm-hmm. So I can see, I can see why people could be intimidated to to start in the weight room when they don't know anything, right? It's like, hey, that guy's doing a squat. I don't even know how to do that. How do I even put the bar on my back? Right. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you. What were some of perhaps the misconceptions that you had and not just around training, because one thing that you and I did is actually go through a gaining phase and intentionally eat more food and intentionally put on weight and get bigger, which is something that I feel like a lot of women are very afraid to do. Yeah. And I experienced this not just with younger clients, but also older clients that I work with. It's like they've always just tried to eat less and less and less and less and less. It's like in some circumstances that may be the right choice if somebody has you know poor health due to their weight but in many circumstances when people want to improve body composition you need to build muscle and eating more food facilitates that right yeah so what some of the misconceptions that you had prior to going through this journey and then we'll talk about how they've changed okay so i think one of the main misconceptions that i had was that the scale going up doesn't equate to you looking like worse like the scale the scale literally means nothing in terms of it being higher or lower and that was something that like was so hard for me at the start and I know that if I was doing it alone like and I saw the scale going up like I I would have stopped like I would have been like I I can't do this like this is really really hard just like mentally seeing the number go up but you know, what you like really, I guess, like instilled in me was that you need to build the muscle in order to like be able to improve your body composition and see it. Like if you can be like a very thin person, but if you have no muscle, like that, that is not going to like create a better body composition compared to like weighing more and having more muscle on your body, if that makes sense. So that was a major misconception that I had was that the number on the scale equated to a good or bad outcome. Um, Yeah. So just like embracing that. Hey guys, some of you may not know that I'm the scientific advisor for a supplement company called Outwork Nutrition. I help with the formulation of new products to help ensure that they're effective and backed by science. Unlike many other supplement companies out there, we don't rely on exaggerated claims or flashy marketing tactics. Instead, we let the science speak for itself. We take pride in formulating products that deliver real results, helping you achieve your fitness goals in a meaningful way. If you're in the market for supplements like protein powder, pre-workout, or recovery products, make sure to check us out at outworknutrition.com. And as a thank you for being an avid listener of this podcast, use code Joey for an exclusive discount at checkout. You can find the link to our website down in the description of this podcast episode. Remember, our goal is to empower you with science-backed supplements that truly make a difference. Choose Outwork Nutrition and elevate your fitness to new heights. Yeah, totally. That's a big one. That's a really big one. I want to talk about this because A couple of things. You mentioned the idea that like weight going up doesn't mean your body composition is moving in a negative direction, okay. right? Which means that you're gaining more body fat and not having muscle, right? And when we think about body composition, because everybody throws this word around, it's really like how much muscle mass do you have relative to how much fat mass you have, yeah. right? 
And looking a certain way is largely determined by your body fat percentage, Mm -hmm. right? And if you have, for example, if somebody loses 20 pounds and they don't lift any weights and they don't eat protein and they don't prioritize sleep and all of this stuff, yeah, you weigh 20 less pounds, but visually you look very similar. Body composition hasn't changed much Mm -hmm. because you've lost some muscle, you've lost some body fat. So yes, you're smaller, but like not athletic looking, really. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And if you want to have a more athletic look, and again, I want to emphasize this for people listening. Like we're talking about people who have aesthetic goals, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that, whatever. Yeah. But achieving that requires you to build muscle. And some, one of the things, because this is also context specific, like Megan, one thing I was confident in doing with you is going through a gaining phase because you are very young. Mm-hmm. It's like when you are young, you are so receptive to muscle growth. Like, yeah, if you lifting weights, even younger than you, let's say as a teenager or even in your early 20s, mm-hmm. you're going to respond so well. Yeah. Compared to somebody who's in their 40s or 50s just starting, that person will still respond, but you just respond so much better when you're younger. Right. It's like you can lift weights and put on 15 pounds and it'll almost exclusively all be muscle mass and like barely any body fat, mm-hmm. right? I think that people, I will say specifically young women, have a hard time understanding. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you is, you mentioned that seeing the scale go up was scary. What helped you get through that fear? How have you reframed the way you view the scale or your weights or anything like that? Yeah, so I think one like thing that I've really learned is like food is a tool to see gains in the gym. Like t- food is a tool for strength. Like food is fuel. Um, and like I, I would honestly like, you know, getting a couple of months into training, it was like I looked forward to having like a good nutritious dinner, like knowing that I was going to feel really good for my workout the next morning. Like yeah. it just was a complete shift in my mindset in that way. Um, and I think also like, I'm not going to lie. Like there were some, especially at the start, um, like when, when you were bumping up the calories, I was like, Oh my God. Like I would get nervous. Like I would get anxious, which like is a whole other thing in itself. But like, I know that other people feel the same way and, um, there were hard times, but like also just hearing you be constantly be like, you know, this is what it takes to, to build muscle. Like, telling myself that the food is the fuel it gives me more energy throughout my day it gives me more energy in school um yeah so i just say like constantly repeating that to myself is like really empowering and helpful when trying to yeah. do that so essentially trusting the process right yep. that you're doing the right thing and i think one thing that is really encouraging too is seeing like the weight that you're lifting at the in the gym increase as well right because like you're getting stronger, which is a really good motivator. So it's like you're getting stronger. So you step on the scale and it's a little bit heavier. And you're like, hey, yes, the scale went up, but I'm getting stronger. It's probably building muscle. And then that reframes the way you look at food too, because you're enjoying lifting, you're enjoying getting stronger. And you see food as a tool, as you mentioned, to help fuel that. And so it just creates a positive cascade. At least that's the way that I see it. And I I have a very similar um, backstory, Megan, I've shared this on the podcast a couple of times, but I used to be pretty overweight as a young teenager when I was 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, not out of like, 
being mean or anything, but my family was always teasing me about my weight because yeah. cult- from culturally, Hispanic people are that way. And like they pick at you for little things, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's your height or your nose or your weight or this. And it's kind of just like the way it is culturally. But as a kid, I was always really self-conscious. And then when I was 12 or 13, I was pretty overweight, even though I was always really physically active. And then when I was 16, and this all also translated into like having somewhat of a weird relationship with food where like I was always encouraged to eat a lot because I was a big dude and I would eat a lot, but then I would feel bad because like my family would pick on me and then that went into college as well. But it really, you know, I've, I've been into lifting, like really into lifting since I was probably 15 or 16 years old. So a long time now, but it took a couple of years of really seeing this as like a more holistic thing, I guess. Yeah. Where I'm seeing like, oh no, like this meal is directly impacting my performance. Anyways, everything, just reiterating everything that you've mentioned. But I think fitness itself, the gym itself, can help people develop a more positive relationship with food. Absolutely. Especially for people that struggle with their relationship with food. Because yeah. you do start to see it as a tool to fuel performance. Mm-hmm. And just like, helps in so many other aspects of my life too, like increasing my food intake and not restricting myself. Like I saw a direct correlation in terms of fueling my body properly and, uh, you know, consistently getting wins in the gym. Like I got into the business program that I wanted to at school. I got the job that I wanted. Like I just, I just, there's just so many things. And like, in terms of like my self-confidence, like that I think are honestly like directly related to my wins in the gym. And it also just kind of like reinforced that the process, it is a process and you just have to trust it. It's like, you're not going to win in like, you're not going to, it's not, it's not a 30 day win. It's not a 30 day challenge. It it really is like a lifestyle. And, um, I think another thing too, with, with the food is we did it in a way where like we increased it really gradually. Right. So I wasn't like gaining like five pounds a week. I was gaining like a very, very small amount of weight every single week. But when you're really, really consistent with it, it's like really cool looking back at old photos and old videos of me training compared to now. Um, Yeah. Just to see like the progress over time. Yeah. And we would go over these all the time. You can see a, a huge difference in not just your physique but also how much weight you were lifting how cool you were looking lifting because the technique was way better towards the end as well it's like an improvement in everything which is really cool Mm -hmm. Uh, do you mind sharing in that time frame roughly how much weight did you gain and did you see i'm going to bring this up because people talk about like getting bulkier yeah not wanting to be fat did you see many negative impacts in your body composition in terms of like body fat no like not at all um, I think like, obviously you are going to gain a little bit of body, like a very small amount of body fat when you are putting on weight. But that was the biggest surprise to me was that I just felt like I was looking better. Um, even though I was weighing more like, and it was because it, I wasn't the, the, it was, I was putting on, mu- I was gaining more muscle than fat. Like, absolutely. So yeah. the major- majority of it being muscle, like I just felt so much better. And in terms of numbers, like I started so when I was in first year, so that was like four years ago, um, which is, is that sophomore in the U.S.? I'm from Canada, so I'm trying to. Freshman. 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 Okay, right. Sorry. <laughs> so when I was a freshman. I was like, got the freshman 15. Like, I was like, probably like 
close to 150 pounds. Like it was 140, 150 pounds. I'm five nine. Um, and then throughout COVID, I probably I went down to close to like 120 pounds. So lost a significant amount of weight. But like like you said, not lifting weights in that process. So didn't have really any a lot of muscle at all down at that 120 pounds. And now I'm like 20 pounds heavier and I look completely different. Like my body composition is completely different from when I was a, a freshman. Yeah. And I want to preface this because genetics play a role, right? Yeah. Like you have good genetics. Mm-hmm. You're naturally lean and you respond really well to resistance training. That was one of the things that like built my confidence as we were going through it. And I was seeing the progress you were making. I'm like, no, Megan, trust me, like you can push this. You're you have the body type for this. You can continue pushing it. Mm-hmm. And in that process, we're comparing progress images. Your legs were way bigger, your arms, everything was more muscular, your back specifically as well. Glutes. Right. Do you actually mind sharing a little bit about this too? Because there's so many topics here to talk about. I want to talk about as well, like some of the shoulder pain and back pain that you experience, yeah. uh, how that's improved with lifting as well. But we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. I, I want to preface this for people that are listening. As you gain weight, as you build muscle, everybody will respond slightly differently, right? Like some people will put on more body fat. Others. I'm somebody who puts on a decent amount of body fat when I'm going through this gaining process. But also understand that when you go through this in a methodical way, you feel more empowered and you build the skills to also lose the body fat afterwards, right? right? Because that's what people are afraid of. It's like, oh man, if I put on a little bit of body fat, first off, visually, it won't look super different because as we were talking about earlier, uh, body composition is relative ratio of muscle to to body fat. Mm -hmm. And if you're gaining some body fat, but also gaining some muscle from a body fat percentage perspective, you don't look all that different. And then two, if you do put on a little bit more body fat than you'd like, you have the skills to then lose that body fat after, right? You've been tracking your calories. You've been very diligent. You've built the consistency that's necessary to then do the exact opposite thing. Um, any other misconceptions that you probably had before starting? Hmm. I'm trying to think in terms of the scale. Um, I think also like how much in ter- what progressive overload actually looks like. Um, you know, I think before I kind of thought like, oh, like I'll lift these, you know, I'll shoulder press these 25 pound dumbbells for four weeks and then I should increase it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like every week you got to yeah. yourself more in order to actually see gains. And, you know, that's like some of my friends who maybe don't have as much experience like or knowledge in terms of like strength training. It's like, They'll do the same thing in the gym every single week with the same amount of weight and expect gains. But it's like, that's not, you got to, you got to increase volume or increase weight consistently in order to see gains. So that was another big thing that I learned too, and how to like properly implement that into a program over time. Yeah. People don't understand how hard it actually is, right? Because we're like talking about like, oh, this stuff is great, but it's also really freaking hard. Mm -hmm. Like one thing you did really well was always push yourself near your limits. Um, of course, we talked about good technique and making sure you're doing things safely. Yeah. But for people who really want to improve body composition through lifting, like you have to bust your ass every set of every exercise mm-hmm. every week. Will there be weeks where you have bad workouts? Sure, those happen. But like 80 to 90, 80 to 90% of your workouts need to be really, really hard, right? And that means 
not doing three sets of 10 for the sake of doing three sets of 10. Like if you did 10 reps and you have more in the tank, like keep going. Enough. Right. So that's a really point to bring up because you're right. So many people do fall into that trap of just like, oh, I'm doing three sets of 10. Why? There's really no rational yeah. reason, right? Like I'm yeah. just doing three sets of 10. Like, okay, you did three sets of 10 with 25 pounds. It's a random number. And then next week, like doing three sets of 10 with 30 sounds intimidating because you probably can't do it. It's mm-hmm. too heavy, but you don't have to do 10 reps, right? Maybe you just do nine or eight and then progress that slowly, but always pushing your limits and always getting stronger. Yeah. It's really. I think that was like a really helpful thing that you did is like when you were, t- you know, prescribing, well, not prescribing, but yeah. I guess like building my program and like telling, I would look at my workout and be like, okay, this is like the weight that I'm, these are the weights that I'm supposed to use. This is like the rep range. Sometimes I'd look at it and be like, oh my God, that's insane. Like, or like just not maybe insane, but like, oh, okay. Like this is a jump up from last week. Like, here we go. But then realizing that I can actually do it was like really empowering. It's just like, I feel like also sometimes when it's only you, you don't really realize like what you're capable of unless you have someone else pushing you. So that was another really valuable thing. Are you tired of spending countless hours grocery shopping? cooking and preparing your meals i get it time is precious and that's where icon meals comes into play i've partnered with icon meals to bring you delicious macro friendly and high protein meals that will make it easier than ever for you to achieve your fitness goals i understand that you may have hesitations over the cost of a meal prep service compared to cooking food at home but let's face it how often do you spend more money eating out because you didn't have time to prepare your food at home anyways with icon meals you not only save time but you invest in your health These meals are carefully crafted to be healthier and more in line with your fitness goals than most of the food that you eat out anyways. So why wait? Visit IconMeals.com and explore their wide array of mouth-watering meals. And as a special bonus for listening to this podcast, use code JOSEPH10 at checkout for a special discount off of your order. By the way, you can find all of the necessary links in the description of this podcast. Don't let time be a barrier to your success. Choose Icon Meals and fuel your journey towards a healthier, fitter you. I would also recommend for people that don't have somebody doing their programming or pushing them, write your workouts down. Yeah. Every time you go into the gym, look at what you did the last time and try to improve a little bit. It doesn't have to be a lot, right? That's the other thing too. It's like, you're not gonna make radical improvements every single week, Mm -hmm. but you can make small little improvements somewhere. So like if you used 25 pounds and did three sets of something and you did 10, eight, and nine, progress, or that's not right, 10, 10 nine, and eight, right? Um, maybe the week after you don't hit 11 on your first set, but maybe you do 10, nine, and nine. And it's just one small repetition, but week after week, it adds up, right? Yeah. So I would say for people who feel like they are not progressing correctly, please track your workouts. Write down how many reps and what weight you use for every single set and bring that with you to the gym. You could do pen and paper if you're old school, or there are a ton of free apps out there that you could track your workouts. And that's Notes huge. app is good too. Yeah, yeah. You could use Notes app. Yeah. Um, I'll have our, I was trying to think of one more misconception. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, oh, okay. I remember. Um, People who like, or I guess before I would go to the gym like one week and do something. And then the next week I go do something completely different. Um, You got to hit the same workout like pretty much every week or just like do the same movements over and over and over again to like, in order, like example, like um, doing RDLs or squatting for me, 
Those are like really hard movements. But the only way that I got better at them was doing them every single week. Um, I didn't need to like trick my muscles or trick my body in order to gain muscle, which is like, I feel like another misconception online that I've seen a lot. Um, It's really like consistency with the same same movements same length Mm -hmm. and then you can really like see your improvement over time with that too yeah that's a really good point and i was thinking about that one too and i forgot um yeah people think like you have to do something different every time or like every two weeks like change stuff up or like any this is the big one like anytime you hit a plateau quote unquote Mm -hmm. right it's like you haven't hit a plateau progress just slows down a lot right and people think like again if they don't hit an additional five pounds every week it means they've plateaued and they need to switch things up. And it's quite the opposite, right? Like, did we make some changes to our programming? Yeah, of course. Every six or eight weeks, maybe you okay. change up one thing here or there. Maybe you don't change up exercises. Maybe you change rep ranges. Maybe you change one or two accessory movements to keep things fresh. Yeah. But the way I like to explain it to people, it's like lifting weights correctly is not just about your strength. It's about skill, right? You need to know how to do the movement effectively. The same way that, I don't know, any sort of sport, basketball, hockey, whatever it is, there are skills that you need to develop and you need to practice them frequently in order to be able to do an exercise properly. And in order to really tax your muscles during an exercise, you have to be really good at doing that exercise technically, Uh right? And in order to be able to get good at doing something like a squat or a deadlift, which are technically difficult movements, you need to practice them frequently. Yeah. The RDL and the squat were two of the movements that we worked on the most. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you before you felt confident doing those movements? Like month, to be honest month. with you, like a really long time. And I think at the start too, it's like so easy to just psych yourself out and be like, I'm never going to get this. Like this feels so awkward or yeah. your body's really sore because you're not used to it. Um, <laughs> as for personal experience, um, but yeah. I think just pushing through the initial hump of pain or like awkwardness or discomfort, um, it, it's, it's part of the process and it just, it gets easier and easier the more you do it for sure. Yeah. That point that you just brought up that like, it took you months to feel really comfortable with something like a deadlift or a squat. Sometimes people will do them for three weeks and then like go on to something else. <laughs> right. And the thing is like, when you don't know how to do a movement properly, it is impossible to actually maximally stimulate the muscles that are supposed to work during that movement, right? So Megan, like at first, I think we started with like 15 or 20 pounds on each side of the bar with a, an RDL, right? Well, yeah, like we started light. with 15 and then went down to the bar because I wasn't doing it properly and then went yep. back up. Um, yeah, and then by the end, you were using like 55 or 60 pounds on each side yeah, around there. 55 on each side yeah. towards the end, which is... And what I wanted to share there is that like, yeah, and... Just out of curiosity, are you still doing them? Have you continued progressing from there? Yes. Yeah. 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 What are you doing at? Like 60, which is pretty good. So that's great. I mean, it progressively gets slower and slower. Mm -hmm. But one thing I wanted to share with the example that I was saying, like it takes time to develop movements. So when you were just using the 45 or 10 pounds on each side, you were getting sore, but that soreness is not an indicator that you've targeted the muscle. It just means that it's a newer movement. Like anytime you do a new movement, you're going to feel sore, right? And then when you started getting it down, you progressed really quickly from the bar up to like 35, 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then almost like a, a 
what's the name of the type of graph anyways oh, um, or progress you should know this yeah in school. I should this. it's not <laughs> exponential but it's kind of just like a plateau like i'm not really it's not a plateau but like it slows it's a less yes. intense increase every single yeah. week so essentially progress substantially slows down yeah why because you're actually getting to the point where you are doing the exercise effectively so the limiting factor is your actual strength mm-hmm. is your actual the limitations of your muscle and growing new muscle is a really slow process. That's why it slows down so much. At first you progress really quickly. It's not because you're getting super jacked. It's because just training your nervous system, how to do the movement, right? Like when we started, Megan, when you were doing the, the 10 pounds or even just the bar, you probably had the strength, the muscle mass to lift 30 or 35 pounds. You just didn't know how to effectively. So people spend months and years just jumping from this exercise to that exercise to that exercise, and you never, ever become efficient at any of them. So you never make substantial progress. Like that's one thing, but again, it's so funny because to me, like, again, I've been doing this a long time, so they're pretty simple concepts to me, right? Like, Like, I can't believe people do this stuff, but then I'll work with a client. This has happened not just with you, but a number of clients, and they're just like, Oh, wow. The fact that we do the same thing every week and it's structured and we intentionally increase stuff. I've been, I've been lifting for five years and this is the most progress I've ever made. And it's just like kind of common sense, but it's cool to work in in real time. Yeah, it's, it is common sense, but it's really hard. I think when you start with not a lot of knowledge, like knowing how to use like training, food, sleep Mm -hmm. and recovery all together in like optimal combination like I feel like that's kind of like an equation and like it's it's difficult when you don't have a lot of knowledge like to know how to like maximize that I guess but yeah it's just nice talking about misconceptions and how how we can break those yeah yeah totally I I I promise you when people listen to this stuff it definitely helps a ton because I mean I'm sure you do it too I do it like I like listening to podcasts and people talk the things that I don't know much about. And just like hearing people's story is really helpful. And I was telling this earlier, like a lot of the people that I have on the podcast are experts in different areas. And so it's very like top down type of information. Yeah. And I really enjoy having conversations with clients because we can just talk about your experience and you share things from a different perspective than people who are experts in different fields share things yeah and people can relate to you in a different way as well right not that that type of stuff isn't helpful it's just different um the last thing i wanted to to ask you one is a short question one is a little bit of a longer question okay and then i won't take any more of your time i promise is do you feel like now at this moment you can also eat a lot more food and maintain a lean physique compared to before yes absolutely (laughs) um like 110 percent uh i think I mean, I don't, I wasn't tracking my food before we started working together, but I, like, do you want me to put numbers on it at all? Like ballpark? Sure. You can yeah. Do whatever like, you want. I feel like I was probably like eating like 1500 calories a day, like jet, like maybe a little bit less some days, maybe a little bit more some days, but, and that was like maintaining the physique that I had that I wasn't even happy with. And I just constantly felt restricted and I constantly felt tired. And now I'm eating like 2,500 calories a day. Um, and 
I wake up every day and I go to the gym and I feel confident in myself. So I would say that has been like one of the most rewarding things is just being able to increase my caloric intake. And obviously, like I, you have to work hard in order to like yeah. put that food to use um, in order to gain muscle. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an enjoyable aspect of it. I have ice cream every day. so That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Like that's one thing people don't tend to realize. It's like, listen, it's easier to maintain a lean physique if you have more muscle because you can just eat more food, right? Okay. Like if you don't have a lot of muscle, this is why I think like long-term resistance training is so helpful for maintaining a lean, healthy physique because all exercise is great. But this is really the only type of exercise that can help you significantly increase your energy expenditure if you um, currently have like low energy expenditure because you don't have a lot of muscle mass, right? Like cardio, everything, like all exercise is great for your health. But I, I mean, you know, I'm super biased against this. I think like lifting is the best thing you can do for overall health, but also physique, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if you currently feel like you can only eat 1500 calories and you're just like hungry or you're restricting yourself all the time. Like spend some time slowly increasing your caloric intake, actually put on some weight, put on some muscle, and then you'll be able to maintain a lean physique a lot easier and eat more food. It's just more enjoyable. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to ask you, because this is another common misconception that I feel like was something that we worked on uh, and we talked about a ton, but it isn't perhaps a common misconception of like young women trying to lift or whatnot, but it's the idea that lifting is inherently like harmful or if you have an injury, you shouldn't lift. Can you share some of the things that you've experienced with your shoulder, with your back? Yeah. History, things and how lifting helped or didn't help? Yeah, for sure. So this is um, definitely a big topic for me or a learning experience for me. Um, before we started working together, I want to say like, five months before um I was in the gym like by myself obviously not lifting properly doing an overhead press and I injured my neck really badly um and it was like super super definitely injured for you know a, cu a couple of weeks I really like had very limited mobility and um was having a lot of trouble like sleeping and just it kind of just like compounded in that I was really scared to move because I was like, oh, like I'm going to make my injury worse if I do any sort of movement. Like I need to just rest my body as much as possible um, and that'll make it better. But in reality, like if you are not like moving your working out, moving your arms when it's like kind of time to start recovering and not super heavy, but just like generally moving like other parts of your body kind of start to lock up like so. Like your shoulders get really tight and your traps get really tight and your back gets really tight. And then it just becomes this like cycle of not moving and your muscles just like your body just basically like hating itself. Um, but like, I guess what we really worked on is a lot of those, like, you know, when we got back into, when I got into the gym with you and I was like, I can't do an overhead press. Like, that's how I injured myself. I can't do it. You were like, no you actually can, like, we're not going to give you 25 pound dumbbells, but let's start with fives and just start like doing that just to train your brain that it's actually okay to do that movement again. Um, because I know like, like, like you've said, it's like your, your body, your brain is like sending a signal to you that 
oh, that should hurt. Like, so you kind of feel this like mm-hmm. pain that's maybe not even because you're still injured. Um, yeah. And it's kind of just like retraining your body and your brain that that movement is okay. Um, totally. And I think that, yeah, movement really is medicine. And that was like a huge part of me being able to like gain confidence back in this movement and also just like re-strengthen my neck and my shoulders and my back after not having done stuff for so long. So yeah, it's definitely a good way to uh, just get over an injury and you can train even if you have had an injury like you can so yeah it's so funny because like if somebody has an injury or has we'll use the word pain because what you were trying to explain is like pain does not necessarily mean that you have an injury yeah pain can mean that you have an injury you could also have healed the injury fully and still experience pain and unfortunately when people have pain who they go to first their doctor a chiropractor, what's the typical recommendation? Oh, just don't do anything with the joint that is in pain, right? And what happens is that the pain lingers forever, doesn't go away. People have to understand that pain is a neurological sensation, right? If you move your shoulder and you feel pain, what you're feeling is not the injury itself. What you're feeling is your nervous system telling your brain that you're experiencing pain in that area for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And in, again, does not necessarily mean you're injured, right? It can be a protective mechanism because you were, you were injured previously doing a certain movement. Yeah. And now your body's like, hey, be careful doing that movement. But you can retrain yourself to do those movements. Now you have to do it smart, right? Like, yeah, you don't want to go and max out the first time you're doing a shoulder press again if you injured yourself doing a shoulder press. Yeah. But you can start with five-pound dumbbells, super slow, engage the, the joint, do it with a full range of motion, do it again slowly, pause. Like if it does feel painful in a certain range, don't go into that range. But every week start to challenge yourself a little bit. It's the same concept. It's literally the same concept concept of progressive overload. Yeah. Right? But it's it's... Applying that to a slightly different thing. It's not like trying to get super strong on a movement, but just remobilizing a joint and getting um, movement back in that joint. And so many people, and I experience it all the time, it's like, doctor told me not to do that and it hurts when I do it, so I shouldn't do it. It's like, it's hard to get people to just trust you because they're just like, oh, who are you to trust? You're not. Yeah, I didn't want to trust you. I didn't want to. I was so scared. Yeah, like your doctor likely doesn't lift and likely doesn't do these things. Yeah. You know, I, I'm hesitant when I talk about these things because some people in some circumstances should avoid movement, right? Mm-hmm. Here's my recommendation. Like if you do something with a very, very light weight and you feel like a nine out of 10 sharp pain, like, hey, just ease off for a little bit. But the likelihood that you feel a 10 out of 10 pain like two weeks down the road is very minimal. If like you injured your back and when you bend over, you feel pain, but like, it's not unbearable to the point where you like crumble and fall to the floor because it's so painful. Well, then, hey, exposing yourself to bending your hips is probably helpful. You don't even need weights, right? Just bend at the hip, do sets of 10. And then tomorrow, do sets of 12 and bend a little bit lower. And doing that progressively helps a ton. Yeah. I could be wrong here. And I, forgive me if I am. You also have scoliosis, right? Um, No, not like, and not a lot. Of, no. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. No. I must be thinking. Yeah, a different. Somewhere client I apologize i that thought you had okay. i'm glad my answer was no but um yeah, that's yeah. Good. I've, i have worked with 
clients who have had chronic back pain due to scoliosis as and well. And have they found that that's lifting has helped them? Like, yes, 100%. Like, people so are afraid to specifically, and I was thinking about this because we work so much on the deadlift. Like, people are really yeah. afraid if they have back deviation to do something where they're loading their back. It's like, no, if you're, if you're, spine has a deviation right like be mindful when you lift but strengthening and growing the muscles around your spine is only going to make you feel better yeah um yeah anyways that applies to pretty much everything yeah megan any last couple things oh last question okay. this is one i always like what advice would you give or what would you share with somebody who was in a similar position to you when they were starting and they were hesitant and don't just say like do it so <laughs> maybe give a little bit more detail there if you don't mind um if I was going to go back, I think, I think I would probably just tell myself like to take a breath. Like I feel like a lot of people can get like really in their head about going to the gym and like how they look and all of that. It's like at the end of the day, like nobody really cares except you. Like, I go to the gym and I don't remember a single person who was there. Like, just like take a breath and trust the process. Like if the scale's going up, like no one cares. Like it's all good. Like you're doing this like for your own health and it's only going to benefit you so much in the long run in like all aspects of your life. Like it's just, yeah, take a breath and like enjoy the process and show up when it's hard, even when it's hard. Yeah. And one thing that I think I would have said to you or somebody in your yeah, position. Yeah, no, no, let's hear it. And it's just reframe the way you view exercise. Yeah. And food. Something we've talked about a ton. Like exercise is not a means to get smaller. Like across the board, that's what most people tend to think. I'm going to exercise to get smaller. And I think it's really important to view exercise as a tool to improve your capabilities. Yeah. Right. And that goes beyond getting stronger because people are like, what capabilities are you talking about? Lifting more weights? Like, no, it helps you from a mental perspective. It makes you mentally stronger. As you mentioned, that bleeds into other aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. Right. I definitely credit a lot of the success that I've had just in like personal relationships, professional relationships, um, business, everything. I think a lot of it stems from a lot of the lessons that I've learned from lifting. And I think I wish people would understand that sooner because it does take time to i guess see it as a more holistic thing yeah that is the biggest long-term benefit like it just positively impacts every single aspect of your life it's not just about getting smaller take this seriously and make it an integral component of your life and you will not regret it a couple years down the road yeah like it just that it may like feel uncomfortable at the start like especially when you're like really sore it genuinely does like become fun. Like it's something that I look forward to. Like exercise yeah. isn't a punishment. It's not, it's, it's not something that you're like forcing yourself to go through. It's like, no, like, like it's actually fun. Like I'm getting stronger and I, I'm looking forward to it and I get more and more comfortable with the movement. So yeah, it's just being along for the ride. Yeah. You'll have to update me with some of those lifts. Cause I definitely want to see. Yeah, I will for sure. Great, Megan. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, and we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to share? No, that's it. It was so awesome talking about this, though. And I just hope that people who 
are in my position or have been in a similar position get something from it. So yeah, it's great. I receive any messages which sometimes people message me like, this episode was really helpful. I'll definitely share it with you. Okay, awesome. Awesome, Megan. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll speak soon. Sounds good.